Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. But I want to start by saying this. Right? When I was first married, I was introduced to something called the throw pillow. All right? You know what I'm talking about? I was introduced to something called the throw pillow. And listen, when I got married, I moved into my new home with my wife, with Christina, straight from a college dorm, right? I can guarantee you that my college dorm, filled with 100 college football players, didn't have a thing called a throw pillow. We just didn't have one, right? I didn't know what the, the, the thing was until I moved in with Christina. But for some reason, we needed a bunch of them in our home. In our new home, still today, 11 years later, in our home today, right? Throw pillows on the couch, throw pillows on the bed, throw pillows coming out of our ears, right? We recently had a a friend watch our dog for a a week while we were on vacation, and she was headed to the guest bedroom, and she said, wow, you guys have a lot of pillows in here. (laughs) I looked at Christina, and I said, all her. Right? They're all hers, right? Throw pillows everywhere. You guys, we have throw pillows in every room. And I don't get it, right? I made it through the majority of my life up to this point with just one pillow on the bed. Do you know how many pillows we have on our bed right now? Yeah, we have 11. We have 11 pillows on our bed right now, right? 11 pillows. Every night we have to take, right, we have to take like seven or eight of these pillows off the bed. We have to find a place for them, right? We put them in that place. And then in the morning, we have to put those pillows back on to the bed. It's ridiculous, guys. Karen loves it, right? Because <laughs> she was the one there looking at all the pillows, right? We have to make space for these things, right? And that's what that's what we're talking about. Really, that had nothing to do with the sermon. It just I wanted to get it off, <laughs> off my chest, right? But I do want to ask this question, right? Have you ever had to clear out space in your home, in your house, maybe in your apartment to make room for something else? Now, we've all done that, right? We've, we've had to clean something out to make space for something new. Maybe you bought some new decor recently for your place, maybe a throw pillow like Christina, Right? Or, or maybe you bought a new grill or a smoker for your back deck and you had, to, you had to make space and get rid of the old one for the new one, right? So whether you go to places like, like Target or TJ Maxx or, or Haverty's or Hobby Lobby or, or a yard sale, you know how it works, right? We know how it works. Either you have an empty space that you're trying to fill or that you're looking for something perfect to fill that space, or you have to move out something old to make space for something new, right? We've all been there. But we don't just have to make space in our homes, right? right? We also have to make space in our lives, too, specifically when it comes to our relationships, right? If, if you're married or have a significant other, you, you get the idea of making space in your schedule for quality time with that person, right? If you're single, you may be ready for the idea of making space for someone else in your life. Or on the other side of that, maybe you're reluctant uh, to date because you don't want to make space for someone else in your schedule because you like the things just the way they are, 
Now, if you have kids, right, making space isn't even an option, right? Right? Kids, they take up more space than is even available, right? I've seen some of your cars before you head off out of town on road trips. So whether it is making space in your house for pillows and decorations or making space in your schedule for someone that you love, we all understand something about space, right? We all understand something about space, and it's this. Take a look. It's limited, right? It's limited, right? But, but here is the thing, Foundry Church, and, and not to kind of Jesus juke anybody. As Christians, right, as people forging our life on God, there is, is someone else that we need to make room for, God, right? Right? We need to make room for God. Now, I know you may be wondering this question. How exactly do I do that? Right? How do I exactly make room for God? Well, over the next few weeks, uh, the month of, uh, of July, we're going to take a look at what it looks like to make room for God in our life, in our schedules. And let me state up front, the point of this series is not to add right, pressure to your life. Instead, the point of this series is to take pressure off of us, right? Not to add, but to, to alleviate, to take pressure off. In fact, we're going to look at some views that we may have that are adding unnecessary pressure to our lives, right? Some views that we have that are, that are adding stress and concerns and worries. And we're going to talk about how and look at ways to counteract them, right? To, to give them the, the throat punch, if you will, and get them out of our lives, right? In a nutshell, this series is about rest, right? And that's why I, I pulled a little inspiration from our, our man, Jimmy Buffett, right? And calling this series Margaritaville, right? The, the national anthem for those who want to take some time for themselves. But listen, uh, but we, Foundry Church, we, we want to take it a little bit deeper over the next few weeks, right? One step further than maybe just going to Margaritaville, right? It's not just about rest. It's about resting in God. And that's what we're going to look at. Right? And to be honest, we'll discover that most of us, we're not very good at all at resting. Right? We're just not good at it. For example, one of the main pressures that stands in the way of some of us finding rest in any shape or form is actually work. Right? Think about it, right? And work is not a bad thing. We know that, right? It is a necessary thing, right? Work our jobs, our careers, the things we do, the activities that we pursue is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And we've even talked about that here at the Foundry, right? We've, we've talked about how we can use work to worship God, to honor God with our lives. We need work. It's right and it's good, right? Without work, you cannot pay the bills, right? And no one wants that, right? So whether you love your job or you cannot stand your job, Work is a big part of your life. But work is one specific area, if we're honest, that tends to take up a disproportionate amount or chunk of our lives. Right? For most of us, work takes up a third or even half of our day. 
Right After that, we, we try to spend the rest of our day, rest of our time with our, our families or friends. So by the time we're done working and being with people that we love, we barely have time for anything else. Right? If we're lucky, there may be enough time left for us to get a, a decent night's sleep, if we're lucky, right? right? At the end of the day. And it's not true, right, that, that work adds pressure. Is that not true? That just adds pressure even when we seem to leave work? Think about that, right? right? Even when we're off the clock, it's still on our brains. I know I struggle with that on a, on a daily basis all the time. Work is always there on our mind. We may try to get away, to relax, to take a break, to head to Margaritaville, but we all know that that is easier said than done, right? And this is when the spiritual the spiritual side of work comes into play, right? In fact, the Apostle Paul said this about work in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, right? Look with me. Work willingly at whatever you do. Do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Listen, right? Doing, doing a good job in our workplaces and the things we do is one of the ways that we point people towards Jesus, One of the ways that we share our faith, by showing people that his followers, people forging their life on him, do things with excellence and integrity, right? Providing for your family is a way of serving uh, them and worshiping God all at the same time. That's important to make sure we have that foundation, right? So for some of us, the, the current job or the roles that we have, the fields that we tend with our lives, like Paul says, Right, is a total answer of prayer. It's a total answer to prayer. We feel grateful to God that he has provided us with a job. And for some of us, you may feel like God has, has called you to do the work that you're doing, and so you feel a sense of purpose and, and connection and a calling with that job. So no matter where we are, though, right, whether we, we feel that purpose, that calling, or we just hate our job and it's a necessary means to, to pay the bills, no matter where we are, no matter what we feel uh, about our job, we got to look at this question, right? we got to be honest and a- answer this question. Is the pressure I feel to get my work done, whether it's a good thing, a thing we love, right, or not, is the pressure I feel to get my work done greater than my need to spend time with God? That's the question. Right, and that is the tension that we need to peel like an onion this morning. Right, and really, it's not just work things, right? It's everything that we, we do, our chores, our activities, whatever, right? right? You may see your work and those things that you have to do as fulfilling or even as an act of worship, like we said. But listen, Foundry Church, it is possible. It is possible for that to become a source of burnout in your life. It is, right? And it's even possible to go even a little bit further than just burnout. It can become an idol in your life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, and that's where we're going to be today. And listen, as always, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. Those Bibles are free for you to take, to use, to give away. Uh, So turn to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context, right? right, During this time, 
All right, thousands of years ago, Moses was the leader of the Israelites, God's chosen people. Right, and, and during this time, God gave Moses ten big uh, principles to guide how he interacted, uh, how the people, the Israelites, interacted with him and with each other. Right? These ten principles. These principles are called the Ten Commandments. Right? Now, most of you, you probably have heard of them. And, and even if you don't know each of the, the ten, you probably have a general idea of what they say. Things like, like honor your mom and dad right? That's in there. Um, Do not murder. It's a good one. We kind of know that that's in there, right? Don't murder each other. Honor your mom and dad. But today, I want to look at one that is a little less known, a little less known commandment. So let's check it out together, right? Like I said, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. They're easier to grab from the seats in front of you than behind you. So grab one of those Bibles, or you can go to the app, the Foundry Burke app, and download the app. It'll only take a few seconds, and there's a Bible tab. And today's scripture is pulled up there for you. But we're going to look at verses 8 through 10 this morning. All right, it says this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. All right, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. All right, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All right? Keep the Sabbath holy, right? That's pretty straightforward. God's saying, thou shalt rest, right? right? Thou shalt go to Margaritaville, right? Right, but why make it a command? Right, that's, that's the question I ask when I read this. Why make this a command? Why was it not just a principle right, or, or just a, a wise suggestion? Right? Why was this a command? Not just a, hey, you know, you should try to do this every once in a while type of thing. Right, after all, this, this command was given to a group of, of people who did not have cars Right? They, they weren't doing much. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have iPads. They didn't have all the i stuff. They didn't have, have computers or email or, or text messages. Right? They didn't have kids involved in multiple activities all at the same time all over northern Virginia from one end of the county to the other end. Right? Heck, right? They, they didn't even have traditional jobs. Right? You didn't see uh, the regular Israelite father putting on a tie in the morning and, and strolling off to the local office building. Right? Really, right? How busy could these people actually be? Right? Well, why was God making this commandment to them and then to us, but to them especially? Right? How busy could they really be? Even if it was not an office job for them, right? they had something else stealing their attention. Right? If we look at it, right, you see, just like, like us, their work was always in the forefront of their eyes. It was always right in front of them. For, for any of you who have a background in farming, you know what I'm going to be talking about here. Right? You get it. Right? Their work was not showing up in, in emails and text messages like in the video that we had at the beginning of the sermon. No, the, their work was right there in front of them, right? It was staring them in the face or, or mooing in the background, right? Not only that, their work was literally tied 
to their survival, right? If they did not manage their crops, if they did not manage their livestock, right, they would have nothing to eat. So needless to say, right, even though their life was a little different than ours, needless to say, their work was always on the forefront of their minds. It was there. Right? Doesn't that kind of sound familiar? Right? right? Notifications on our, our phones uh, staring at us right there in front of our face. And if we, if we do not get uh, some of those answered, those emails, we, we start stressing out and we start looking in the inbox every, every few minutes, right? So Foundry Church, right? we, may, we may relate to them more than we realize, right? right? Even in the midst of this reality, even in the midst of this, this reality for the people of Israel and even for, for us today, take a look, right? God wanted to make sure they set aside for time for rest, right? Even with all the stuff staring at us, all the notifications, all the livestock and the crops that the Israelites were facing, all of our emails and activities, no matter what, God wanted to make sure that they set aside time to rest, right? He wanted them to, to make space in their lives where they were stopped from work, right? He wanted them to find a, a beach and just sit down and breathe. Why? Well, look, right? So that they could learn to depend on him. Right? He's given them this commandment. He's given us this commandment so that they could learn to depend on him. Yes, this commandment was about a break from work, yes. But it was more about dependence upon God. Right? In that culture, taking a single day off of work was pretty risky. It was a big deal, right? If you did not keep a close eye on, on growing your food, how were you going to eat, right? If you, weren't, if you weren't keeping up with what needed to be done, how were you going to feed your kids, feed your family? So this command was God's way of saying this. Trust me with your ability to grow food. While you do that, remember that you can trust me with everything else too, Right? That's what he's saying to these Israelites, right? It's the equivalent of God telling you and me this. Right? Trust me with your emails. Trust me with your deadlines and your presentations, your kids' activities, your finances, your dot, dot, dot. Right? Your blank, whatever, right? Trust me and remember that I am in control of all things and I am the most important thing. Now, guess what? Right? When the Israelites followed this command to rest, they survived. <laughs> they were okay. They were fine, right? They had food to eat, their crops and their livestock. It, it didn't die. Their, their work was still there for them when they were done resting, and they were better because of it. They could accomplish more because of the rest that they had, right? See, having Sabbath, having rest, having this time isn't isn't just about not working, it's about this, right? It's about creating time to focus on God. It's about taking time to enjoy God and to depend on God, right? That's what it comes down to. Let's, let's face it, right? When we are, are working on our, on our jobs, we often feel stress and pressure and overwhelm, right? 
But a, but a lot of times we feel stress and pressure when we're not working. Right? We feel it when we're not working too because we're thinking about what we need to get done. Right? Look at it like this. Rest gives us the opportunity to give that stress and pressure to God and to trust him with it. Right? To cast our anxieties on him. It gives us the opportunity to trust him with what is stressing us out, with our worry and our concerns, right? Sometimes I imagine that the Israelites, they heard this command. And when Moses came down off the mountain and he was listing out these, these commands, and they heard this one and they just kind of rolled their eyes, right? They, they get, then eh, we shouldn't kill each other. That's probably a good thing, right? And we probably should honor our mom and dad, but... All right, taking a, a day off, they probably just rolled their eyes and said, yeah, 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 that sounds nice, but it's impossible, right? You don't understand my workload. I, I'm imagining them thinking that, right? You just don't understand all the things that I have to get done. You don't understand my to-do list, right? Let's look again at verse 11, right? We stopped at verse 10. Look at verse 11 here, right? Let me find it here. It says this, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Right? That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. All right, so they're sitting there rolling their eyes and listen. And Moses says, listen, God did it. Right? He, he worked in six days and he created the world. Right? And then he took a day off. He rested. Right? God himself rested. Right? He wasn't panicked. He wasn't frantic. He wasn't worried. He gave us the example, and here, here's the point. Take a look, right? We need to imitate him by disciplining ourselves to rest. We need to imitate our Lord. We need to forge our life on him, be like him, and discipline ourselves to rest, right? And then we can take it one step further. Right? In Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, it says this. All right? Jesus himself modeled it, right? He says this, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to, and to be healed of their diseases. Like he was working, he was doing, right? He was accomplishing things. But... Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Right? He, he went on a camping trip. He took some time off. He went to go be alone with God. And this blows my mind. Because it takes it in even, a, a step further, right? The inner quietness and the uh, ability to rest that was exemplified by Jesus our Lord is the foundation for our, our spiritual endurance. <laughs> Of what he did is the foundation for us to have an endurance of forging our life on God. Right? God rested. Jesus, God in the flesh, rested. Right? Why in the H-E double hockey sticks do we think we can't rest? That we don't need to rest? Right? Are we so uh, cocky that we think that we don't need to have rest when the God of the universe takes some time? to rest. Right, come on, right? Seriously, right? Right, we can't we can't be blind to ourselves here. We have to uh, we've got more uh, 
stuff in us, right? We, we have to be honest with ourselves and be confident and dependent on God than we are on our work and on our, our tasks or whatever represents our work. We have to have more confidence in him than those things and the busyness and the notifications and the errands and the activities. Right? Here's a simple way to remember it. Make space. Make space for rest. Right? Make space for rest. Head to, to Margaritaville and make space for rest. And I know, right? I know this all sounds easier said than done like we said. But as we develop the the discipline, the the benefits of rest are powerful, right? The the benefits of having this discipline in our lives and imitating both God the Father and Jesus our Lord to make space for rest is huge. The benefits of it, right? We regain our our sense of, of purpose when we do this. Right? We are more sensitive to, to listening to the Spirit of God in our lives, to His direction, to His will for our lives. Right? We get a, a sharper focus and a bigger perspective for what He wants for us and for, for those of, in our families and in our communities. Right? We experience a renewed relationship with God. A renewed relationship with our, our, our general and the purpose that he has for us. We become more dependent on him and less stressed about work and activities and emails. Right? It is a, a discipline that gives us a 100% return on investment. So what does that look like in our day-to-day lives? Right? What does this all look like in our day-to-day lives to make space for rest? Well, for for some of you, especially the the stay-at-home moms and dads that are out there, taking a day off work is impossible, right? I I get it. I understand, right? Right, but I, I think it is possible for all of us to answer this question today. What would it look like for me to make intentional space for rest? Right, that's what it comes down to, is answering this question. What would it look like for me to make intentional space to have rest, to, to have Sabbath like God had? Right, what would it take, right? right? You know your life, you know your work, you know your schedule. If you told someone a month from now, I'm taking time to rest, and they asked how, right, what would your answer potentially be? And that's what we're talking about, right? Whatever your situation, here are three suggestions, right? Real quick, here are three suggestions to help you get this process started, right? To, to have some rest. First, make time for God, right? It's simple. Make time for God, right? Like so many other things in life, this is more likely to happen if you intentionally carve it out in your schedule, right? If you put it down on your calendar, Even if it's five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, right? Make time for God, right? Give yourself a small window of time each day or even each week and let it grow from there, right? Just start. Start small. That's what I always do. Start small. Get a habit going. But remember, this this is time set apart for God to work in you, right? Which means that it is not time for you to work, right? 
Right, let, me, let me repeat that. This is, this is time that is set apart for God to work in you, which means right, that it is not time for you to work. That's what this time is, right? Making time for God allows us to rest in the knowledge that he is doing work, that he's working in us, in our lives, in our communities, right? In our kids' lives, he can, we can rest because he is at work, right? It's trusting that principle. It's trusting that truth. And then we do this, right? Remove as many obstacles as possible, Right, turning off your phone is a great first step. Right, this series is going to be very practical. Right, so turn off your phone. Right, my my wife Christina, she unintentionally is very good at this, and I say unintentionally because she she does not purposely turn off her phone. She just leaves it in her purse, and then, and then it dies. And like three days later, she's like, "Where's my phone?" Right. So so as Paul said in the New Testament, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right, I'm saying follow my wife and forget to charge your phone every once in a while, right? Just forget it, right? All right just turn it off for a few minutes, right? Remove the distraction. And if it's not possible to completely forget about it for a few days, which I suggest you do from time to time, put it on silent, right? All right? If that's not possible, maybe you can put it in the next room. And don't think that I don't know that a lot of you guys are wearing those watches that have all the notifications, right? Maybe put that with your phone, right? Take that off, right? Be without the dinging notifications for a few minutes. That's all it takes. And be quiet. Just be quiet, right? Provide space for rest in God, trusting that he's working in your life, right? Consider picking a quiet location that represents your Margaritaville space for God, right? No technology allowed, Right? That's number two. Remove those distractions. And then as I invite the band to come back up, do this as well. Try to enjoy it. Right? Just try to enjoy it. That's what it all comes down to, right? Don't make this a stressful pressure like work. Right? That's not the purpose of it. It's supposed to be refreshing and life-giving, a moment with God, our creator. Right? Start with just a few minutes a day, like we said, if you have to. Or try to really make Sunday a day of worship and rest with God. Right? It is rest, not work. Right? It doesn't need to become another burden. Right? How can you structure your, your schedule, your day, uh, a Sunday, a Sabbath? And it's something that you look forward to instead of something you dread. Right, seriously. Right, that's the whole point of today's sermon is that, right? Just make a Margaritaville space for rest. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out thing. Just a moment of rest with God. Right, start small. You know, most, most Sundays I come here, I, I worship Right? I, I seek God at the altar with a church family, with you guys, right? through, through thanking him and through communion. I usually eat a good lunch. That's part of my Sabbath, as you can tell. Right? I usually take a nap with my dog, lounge around on the porch. Most Sundays, I just sit in the afternoon. I try to relax, even for just a few moments, even if we got to go somewhere. I try to sit there. I might, might smoke a cigar. Kids, earmuffs, I'm sorry. All right? to relax for a few moments space for God even if I got things I got to get to with it later in the day right? I worship just take a few moments 
right? How can you look forward to finding a space for rest? Right, recently I saw this meme and I wish I could have saved it somehow or find it. I couldn't find it. But it said something like this, 2019 me, me in 2019. If only I had a few weeks at home with no interruptions or activities, I could finally get some of these projects done around the house, right? Then it said 2020 me, right? In the middle of COVID, right? Me being home for weeks without any interruptions was not the problem, right? It's not the problem, right? Right, we have time, right? I think we sometimes have a tendency to hear sermons like this. I know I do. Read something like this and you think, oh, that sounds great. Right? You might be saying, I, I think, the Andrew, you just don't understand how busy I am. Right? And you might be saying, Andrew, I, I don't know if I have more time to do any of this. Listen, I hear you. I would have agreed with you at one time. Right? I, I love work. I love my work. I love the church. I love my job. I love seeing you guys and and talking to you and preaching each week. I I love what I do. And it is very easy for me to get caught up in the work and a a lot more than I should, right? And I don't try to find rest, right? I get caught up in thinking that work is, is all there is. Work is good. But the reality is, is like me or like that meme, Finding time is not the problem, right? I'm the problem. You're the problem. We're the problem, right? If we're not finding time to rest in the Lord, it's a heart issue, right? It's a a soul issue, not, not a time issue, not a schedule issue. By forgetting to stop and rest, we forget God. And that's what's scary. That's what's, what's daunting, right? Restlessness, the refusal to lay down our work so we can open our arms to God and rest, even if it's just a few minutes a day, right? means that our, our busy hands are always full. Right? If, if we refuse to slow down for just a few moments, it means our busy hands are always full. Right, time away from work, away from notifications on our phone, uh, away from the busyness of our minds. Time that is given to a holy God makes us more wholly aware of the good things he has in store for us. And listen, it makes us wholly aware that we are not God and that he is. All right? When we sacrifice a little bit of time to trust that while we're not doing it, he is. Right, if we don't stop to experience the glory of God in rest, we won't be able to glorify him in work either. It's the truth of the matter, right? We have to make time. We can't get caught up in the lie that resting is weakness. I've been there. It's a lie. Right, so, so let's stand together. Let's worship this God, our God, our Lord, who knows what's best for us. Right? Who knows what we need and shows us how to live our best life. Right? We're worshiping our, our God who knows that we need him. And as we worship and sing, let's proclaim that truth.